part of the bravery that we're talking about is the bravery to believe in your own convictions that this story is a killer story. You have to have the courage, bravery of your convictions. The, the one thing I have is persistence. And persistence in, the, in the, this business, probably other businesses, uh, is key. You've got to be persistent. What does it mean to you to live your best and bravest life? Does it mean being strong and forthright? Do you think of bravery as a woman or a man in uniform wearing stars or medals? Or does it mean being vulnerable, honest and courageous in all that you do? It is my mission in life to help you feel brave and empowered to live as your authentic self. So join me in these inspirational conversations filled with tips and tricks to help you live your best and bravest life. I'm Tiffany Johnson, and this is the When We Are Brave podcast. Welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I am so delighted that you are here today joining me and listening in on this podcast. I absolutely love doing these interviews. I love producing the podcast. I love putting the artwork together and all the things that go into creating this show. And I also know that it's making a difference to lives across the globe. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. Now, if you do love listening to the When We Are Brave podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could please leave a review and also to subscribe. Reviews help podcasts get out there into the land of podcasting. Also, you can always connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn or Pinterest or send me an email, tiffany at tiffanyjohnson.com.au. It would really mean the world to me for you to connect with me. Tell me what you think about the show. And even more than that, what would you love to learn about in the world of Brave? Is there something that I can help you with? Is there someone that you would love me to interview? Please drop me a line. I'd love to know. Now, I've been working on something super exciting over the last few months. It's a new product range. I know, amazing. And it's under the When We Are Brave title. I have been creating an essential oil range just for you to help you to feel brave. I know, it's so, so awesome. They are beautiful, organic, roll-on essential oils, and they are called Brave Hearts. There is a courage oil to help you feel brave to help you feel courageous in your everyday life, and it is magnificent. It has organic essential oils of bergamot, ylang-ylang, and geranium. Beautiful. Then I've got the Bravehearts Uplifting Roll-On Essential Oil. Now, in this oil, this is to help you feel excited, ignited, and give you a little lift. Sometimes when we're feeling a bit down and miserable, I thought this was a really great idea, especially during COVID and while we've had our lives turned upside down. Something to help you feel uplifted will be so incredibly useful. This essential oil is 100% organic essential oils of tangerine, rose, and geranium and it is such a fun scent. Then there's the last one. So there's three in the range to start with. Braveheart's self-love oil. Because we all could do with some self-love, couldn't we? We could all help ourselves in a way that is loving and kind 
And then, my friends, we can be brave and we can live our authentic life. Now, in this beautiful oil, it's 100% organic essential oil of rose damask, neroli, and tuber rose. It's sweet, it's beautiful, it's floral, and it really does ignite feelings of self-love. And my friends, these are the steps towards living your best and bravest life. So it's my gift to you to provide these little tools that we can have, pop them in your handbag, have them on your desk, use them at home whenever you feel like you need a little bit of courage, a little bit of self-love and a little bit of uplifting. They're going to be right there on hand for you to use at any time. These beautiful oils will be launched on the 12th of October. So keep your ears and eyes open. I'll be posting all over social media and you'll be able to buy them online on my shop when we are brave. How exciting. I can't wait to share these with you. Oh, it's just been a thrill to work on them for you. I think you're going to love them. All right. Now that's enough about the world of brave. Today's interview is with two incredible guys. I am so blessed to have such a variety of different people coming and joining us on the When We Are Brave podcast, and today is absolutely no exception. Steve Kearney and Mark Lazarus are both film producers, and they have joined me on the When We Are Brave podcast. Steve was the producer of the fabulous film Oddball. It has been in the number 25 all-time Australian films. Have you seen Oddball? It's gorgeous. It's about a dog who saves penguins. It's a beautiful feature family film. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you go out there and check it out. It's super fun that anyone can watch. And the other thing is it's based on a true story and it tells the story beautifully. Not only is Steve a film producer, he's also been a stand-up comedian He was part of the comedy duo Los Trios Ringbarkas that toured the world back in the 80s. He was selected for feature development deals with Paramount Pictures, Columbia, United Artists. Steve also started a solo career and landed sitcom developments with Castle Rock, Warner Brothers TV, Fox and NBC. He's also produced a whole bunch of other films such as My Mistress and Bad Girl. It was so much fun to have Steve on the show today with... Mark Lazarus. Mark Lazarus is an award-winning producer. He's highly experienced in development and production of films and TV shows across the globe, having worked with Australian Chinese production as well as Australian production. He's worked with Screen Australia. He's been a part of different avenues within the film industry with writing, also being part of creative and acquisitions for different film companies and production companies. He's also worked on high-profile television drama series such as the In Excess miniseries Never Tear Us Apart, as well as the Nine Network's Gallipoli. I loved both of those. They were amazing. He also has worked on feature films as well, including being executive producer on Greg McLean's Jungle, starring Daniel Radcliffe. I know. I've got people on the show today with me on the When We Are Brave podcast who are doing incredible creative things in the world and they have faced struggles, they are normal people just like you and I and they are doing incredible, brave, wondrous things in our world. They're pursuing their dreams and it's not only changing their lives but it's also changing ours. It was such an honour to have Steve and Mark 
on the When We Are Brave podcast. This is a super fun episode. Lots of laughs, lots of insight, and lots of tools and tips on how you can also follow your dreams. So, Mark Lazarus, Steve Kearney, welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Tiffany. Okay, so guys, tell us a bit about yourselves and what you do, who you are. Steve, do you want to go first? Well, my name's Steve Kearney. Um, I'm a, <clears throat> a producer that lives not too far from you. <laughs> Uh, and I've made a, a few films over the years. Uh, one was uh, Oddball, uh, which took eight years to do from go to woe. And yeah. um, uh, there's hundreds of others that are still in the drawer. Uh, and before that, I was uh, I was funny uh, and I was a comedian. Eventually ended up living in Los Angeles for 13 years and came back here and... Uh, uh, well, I had a I had a child over there, and I just went. Oh, I'm done, mm. and I need a break. And um, <clears throat> I go, great! I can think about you for a change, and not just me, 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 me. Because yeah, yeah, it gets it gets a bit all um, encompassing after a while. But yeah, that's my history. Mm. Mark. Well, <clears throat> I always knew I wanted to be somehow involved in creative endeavors. But I didn't really know what. I wanted to be a writer for a long time, but I kind of followed my wife into uh, the world of independent film in New York City in around 1986, 87, 88. And I start probably about a little bit later, 87, 88. What happened was I was the two of us were living in New York City together in the East Village at the time. It's a very, it was a very cool place. And it was... I've uh, been it, to it East was, Village. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it's very different now than it was then. But because back then, you know, it was dangerous and filled with artists and very creative and wild. And I just started working on film sets for free, um, you know, volunteering. You can do it every day of the week if you want to. And weirdly, during that time, I worked on a movie that was directed by a, an Australian director named Clara Lau, who's uh, Hong Kong Chinese and Australian. And it was a, a movie with big movie stars, which we didn't know. It was a Chinese film. And worked on that movie, worked on another movie called Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD, which is a title from a ridiculous movie company called uh, Troma. Troma's famous for the Toxic Avenger. That's probably their biggest, most successful franchise. So I worked on Sergeant Kabuki Man and then, um, and still, I guess, I knew I wanted to be in the arts, but I was just kind of flitting around from one piece to the other, one one endeavor to the other, writing movies, screenwriting. But, you know, what you're talking about and the theme of your podcast about bravery is fascinating because I don't have the guts. Steve, I know enough about Steve to know he did exactly what he wanted to do. It may not have ended up the way he wanted it to end up necessarily. Some of it did, some of it didn't. That's the way every single career is. That's the way it works. Sometimes you see a really charmed career, but on the whole, um, on the whole, uh, they're all, Everybody has setbacks. Everybody has failures. Yeah. Everybody has something that's going to uh, screw them up. Mark, it sounds I actually, dark. Um, I actually tried to give up being creative, and I started working for somebody, and I was in a meeting, 
and then the way they were talking about what product we were doing or whatever it was, yeah, I realized, oh, they're just doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. And I'd never realized that before. The people just work for money. <laughs> and it's true. I, went, I said, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I just cannot do it. And um, dive back into the creative there, process. There's another level of that, though, for talking about creativity and freedom and bravery and what have you, which is having gone to a very good American university and no, growing up in a certain socioeconomic situation, which I have failed to maintain as an adult, by the way. Um, not that we grew up rich, but my dad was a doctor and, you know, all of that and everything that that entails. But I have uh, one relative who he creatively went after money. He gets the same joy, I think, out of closing those deals that one of us would get hearing applause or collecting an award or, you know, seeing that movie and watching an audience react to it, that kind of thing. So it's an interesting thing about creativity. It can be applied to other elements. <clears throat> he no longer needs the money, but interestingly still continues to do, to do this job because he, I think he, he really, really, really enjoys it. Gets the buzz, lights his fire. Exactly. And I think, I think we're all going to die one day that this idea of mortality what? Yes, not you, Steve, but everybody else. Everybody else is. It's a great stopgap. It's a great. It's a great context giver for what are you going to do every day when you wake up, and how are you going to spend your time, and how, or do you have the ovaries, cojones, whatever it is, to pursue whatever it is that your dream is? And if you do have one, guess what? You're really lucky because it is amazing how often we ask people, oh, but what is it you really want to do instead of driving that Federal Express truck? And um, they're like, I, I don't know. I just know it's something different. I know it's something different. And, and for us, it's a little bit different. And, and for me, it's even more complicated because I wish I had the balls to be a performer the way Steve has been. Um, I'm, there's a great book called um, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And she's an ex-wife of, um, of Martin uh, Scorsese's. And she wrote a book and it, she talks about this all the time. She, she describes me perfectly. In some ways, I've been a shadow artist, too afraid to take the bold thing myself, but I want to be part of that world and around that world all the time. So I found this shadow artist position to be in where I can help people do things and I can, and I can be part of that process. I've had that experience this week, you know, working with writers where you know, you do this thing and then it's even better than you dreamed. You know, you you have an idea, you get to participate in the creative process. One of the great things about being a producer, film producer, is Steve and I, I'm sure you would agree, Steve, we that we have a huge amount of input into screenplay, style. <clears throat> yeah. So, and, and in fact, at film school, uh, I went to the film school in Australia there was an expression they had for this. Make sure you're all telling the same lie. Create teams that so that you all know you're making the same movie because sometimes you're not. And it ends up badly. If the director's making a different movie than what the producers envisioned, it doesn't work. So, um, yeah, anyway, I could go on. So I'll stop. Yay. <laughs> Steve, what has driven you to keep pursuing a life in the creative realm. 
very, very young, you know, like three or four or five or something. And my friend, my parents had friends over and we had one of those poofs that you put your feet up on. Oh, yes. Uh, what other poofs? Well, I'm sure we still call it. We don't, I don't know what we call it now. I think it's called uh, an ottoman. An ottoman, mm. right. Mm. Well, isn't that racist? Um, to otters, And you perhaps. think poof was better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't know. Oh. Um, and, and anyway, there, there was a situation they were having afternoon tea and I came in and I fell over this ottoman and they laughed. And so I went and did it again and I did it again and then did it again. And I went, oh, this is terrific. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't. And, and since then, I, I really have not, I have not thought of being brave, but I know I have just been dogged. And in my belief in something, um, to go for it, even when people say, well, that's never going to happen. And sometimes even like with Oddball, it was, well, no one wants another Penguin movie. You know, no one wants a dog movie. Come on, Steve. This is just, no one. No one wants it. They, they want to see a family film. And that just made me want to do it even more. And so um, it's it's just a pursuit in the in the knowledge that you're you're actually right. You know, I'm going to write a joke. When I stand here and I do this and I turn there, it's going to be funny. And then you go on stage, you stand here, you do this and you turn there, and it's funny. And you go, yes, I know. And it just mm. makes you feel like, oh well, at least I know something. <laughs> do you think that's part of your intuition kicking in? Like it's just that internal dialogue talking to you, or it's like you say, it's that knowing. It's like it's something outside of you that's like. This is the thing, and you're brave enough to listen to it and take it and take it by the horns and really go with it because a lot of people can't do that. Well, going with it, believing in it is is everything. Um, you believe it, they believe it. Um, it, it, it. It's that's how you sell it, and and you know you take that um, that belief in selling into from from the purely creative side or comedian or an actor into the producing side. That we believe this is going to be, you know, you've got to have that enthusiasm and that passion for a film project. Otherwise, it's never going to be made because you just have to single-handedly push that thing every day somehow, push that needle and push it for years and years and years. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a story that keeps giving to you as you redo it, as you page one rewrite, as you peel back the the layers. And uh, you just get more and more. It's like a, it's it's like a, a friend, you know. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to give that friend up. Um, a and friend like that's torturing you. <laughs> it's torturing you. But, uh, and then, and sometimes, <laughs> like like w with Oddball, I was working on it for so many years. I'd go down to Warrnambool, and and I'd actually be in the the, the council chambers with Swampy with the dog. And they'd be talking about what are they going to do, and this dog's running, you know. And I just realised I'm in the movie. I'm actually seeing it right now. I'm living it. I, I don't care if it gets made. I mean, I do care, but it's it was like okay, I can't wait to come back and see what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it became this thing that uh, you know the, the the projects become this thing that you really want to see happen. Um, and I think for how how you. From a creative standpoint, purely creative standpoint, I was always someone who filed things. So I filed little bits of paper and, and tax returns and 
information and I, I think that gave me this little inclination that maybe, maybe I could be a producer as well because I have that other side of the brain that is not, not completely like, oh, he never pays his bills. And, you know, because coming in, being an, a comedian, coming into the producer world, it's like, oh, yeah, really, Steve? I don't think so. No, don't you want to be a director? I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't know why I wanted to be a producer. Um, but I, I, I get the same thing, and it's, and it's like that when you close a deal or you get it going, you're going, Every, now everybody else sees it. Everybody else sees what you saw. Mm. And, um, you know, creatively, again, with Bobble, one of the things, when you see it all come together, when, when we've got a studio at the Docklands and we've created an island and, and a fake ocean and we've got real penguins climbing up out of it and the camera's pulling back and the penguins are following the camera and then going into their little holes on the first take and you're like, you know, I, I envisaged this for years and years and years, and there it is. And that's mm. pretty satisfying. Yeah, and, definitely. And then, and then you want to do it again, and then it's never going to happen. Yeah. But we'll keep trying. <laughs> it will. It will happen, well. maybe not with penguins. And I think that relates to so many people, and regardless of what area they're in in their life, is that having that vision. I'm a big believer in vision boards. I have a vision board next to my bed. I update it regularly and I would like to say that everything on my vision board so far this year has happened except I didn't put COVID on there thank God so that's not my fault (laughs) wasn't my fault and so I think that the having that having that foresight is so important what do you think Mark has stopped you from being more in the limelight instead of so much behind the scenes when you said before that you didn't feel that you were brave enough to be an actor or a comedian or more in front of the camera or on the stage. What do you think stopped you? Well, it's interesting because I'm Jewish and my dad's a doctor and some of those things are a bit of a cliche, but uh, I guess part of it is, you know, historically um, Jews weren't allowed to own land they had to find they had to have a profession they couldn't be like everybody else in europe now i'm not saying that that was the case in america but what i'm saying is i think that that if you watch even if you go back and watch and it's worth doing by the way uh, fiddler on the roof and you see them at the end of that movie they are hopefully leaving their shtetl in russia or hungary or wherever it is and they're looking for a new life somewhere and all they have is the clothes on their back i think that What's happening now as I get a little bit older is that I'm feeling a little bit braver. And I, I think that um, when, when I do vision boards, uh, when, I do, when I do the kind of visioning that you're talking about, which I think is very important, whether it's to the degree that you're doing it or, or anybody else, or, or if it's less, you know, because sometimes we can just get those things together um, to just surround ourselves with where it is that we want to be. Vision, creative visualization, I guess, is is the, the thing that we're talking about. Um, it just gives you a signpost, a goal to shoot for. So um, I always felt a need to, that I had to support my family. Uh, my wife got the, exactly what you know, I wanted, which is bizarre, but she's a successful novelist. You know, her most recent book won the LA Times Book Prize for um, 
young adult literature, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a big deal and the book is beautiful and she's her, she's optioned her first four books to another company called goalpost and they're developing it into a television show. So I've enabled that and I edit her novels and I'm part of that process. So I'm constantly, I'm everywhere all over other people's creative work. So, but somebody had to make sure that the mortgage was paid at a certain point as well. But that's not to say, look at the great compromise I've made. I get to work with the two of you guys, for instance. I get to work with amazing, dynamic people. Yes, thank you. Do that little dance, girl. Um, because it's true. I get to, you get to work with great people and you get to, you get to spend a huge amount of your emotional and intellectual energy on making a better story. And the and the the reward is what exactly what Steve said. I remember my first movie was called Australian Rules, based on a, a famous kids book called Deadliana. And one night I go out to set. It's really late at night, freezing cold, and I walk onto set and uh, people are running around. I can hear the radio chatter all around me saying "ducks on the pond, ducks on the pond," which is of course a phrase that the shearers used to say when a girl walked into the shearing shed so the people would stop swearing. But that's not what they meant. They meant is the producer is on on set, so you better not screw up here, guys. And I came onto set. I'm 35 years old, and um, I all of a sudden there's a chair, and there's a cup of coffee, and there's a, a set of headphones, and I'm sitting down in the freezing cold in the, on the dark, and uh, they're asking me, do you want a biscuit? Yes, I would like a biscuit. Thank you very much. And I'm behind the split, and I'm having the same experience that Steve is talking about, which is... Um, I am experiencing not just happiness, I'm experiencing ecstasy at work. I am behind the split, mm -hmm. watching the film that we've spent four years trying to get up, um, that should have people should have greenlit it from the day one, but what are you gonna do? Anyway, and, and if we've got the actors and they're up there and we've got the best set in the world and we've got a great designer and the DOP is Mandy Walker, who you know later became very famous in Hollywood. And, um, it was just, I just don't think a lot of people, I've checked, not everybody gets that at work. Oh. Yeah. Right? That's so yeah. true. Yeah. That's so, so true. So true. Think, one thing I think is that once you get to that level, you, you, you really, well, like for me, I realize I'm completely out of my depth. I haven't got a clue what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> Well, like I'm, I'm, I'm like four. I am going. That's to called imposter that. syndrome. I disagree. That's just your voice in your head freaking you out. I don't think that's the case at all. Because if you weren't capable of doing it, you wouldn't have got there in the first place. I, I could not agree with you more, Tiff. I think that that's absolutely true, Steve. You absolutely, you know. Of course, we all feel like frauds because there is there's no rule book. There's no degree in you can't get a degree in producing. I know a lot of people who have them and it has been completely useless to them. <laughs> but what you but you know, to wrench a film, a feature film into existence. Yeah, out of the air. It's a monumental effort that people don't get. And the amount of rejection and the amount of face smashing and the the amount of sometimes a, not, I wouldn't say abuse, but derision, you know, other people thinking that they know better than you. So this br 
part of the bravery that we're talking about is the bravery to believe in your own convictions that this story is a killer story. If other people don't get that, you know, forget about them. You have to have the courage, bravery of your convictions. And hopefully you're informed. Hopefully you have still done the work of having read a bunch of screenplays, having committed yourself to this as a vocation, and um, also learning what the job really is, and also finding mentors to so so that mm. you can actually do it not naked, not not alone, and and not uh, uninformed. But yeah, but takes huge. Br- many people have dropped producing because of a lack of bravery and a lack of ability to withstand the knocks. Yeah, and there's a lot of knocks, isn't there? I know I had a lot of knocks with writing my book, but that elation feeling this week when it was in the top top 10,000, actually top 9,000 on mm-hmm. Amazon, I was, it's a wonder mm-hmm. Steve, you couldn't hear me, I was screaming from the rooftops. I, I, was, wondering, I was wondering what that noise what that was. that noise was. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> it was definitely me. So that Congratulations. Takes us, that is oh, amazing. Thank you. It's a huge big deal, right? Yeah. 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 Super excited. Super excited. And the German edition comes out on the 27th of July and the anniversary of the disaster. So um, that will be fantastic. It's called Frozen Sunshine in German. Sounds awesome. I love it. It really does. (laughs) And did, did you change the cover or you kept it the same? No, the cover has changed to be adapted to the local uh, market. Very, very different. It's snow and a mountain and a puzzle piece with a little possum on the puzzle piece. The reason I asked is because my wife's first book um, and her series of crime novels that Goalpost optioned, that the Germans, holy cow, do they know how to put a book together. This was one of the most beautiful objects I've ever seen. The the book was, I mean, it was hardback and just like the design was exactly right. And it was anyway. I'm hoping I hope you're satisfied with the the German edition artwork. It's very different, and I'm open to other ways <laughs> of looking at things. And that's all part of uh, the creative process as well. You've got to be able to work with people. You've got to be able to see their vision. Um. And then, even though you may not agree with it, uh, you 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 have to uh, instinctively go. I'm I'm going to bet on that. So you do a lot of betting. I'm yeah. Bet on that. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. You know. So um. Yeah. Yeah. That's also it. absolutely. Uh, let's go Germany. Buy that book. Um. But the Switzerland. Always, Swiss Switzerland. German. Yeah. Swiss oh. German. So, German. The um, inclusivity in feature films is often a trick. It's not really a trick, but it's a really great thing to remember. Uh, if you can make people feel as if your idea was their idea, you've got a much better chance of getting your idea through. If you and I've been turned down, but on on creative ideas uh, once by michael thomas who's a wonderful wonderful writer who wrote a, we worked on a movie together did not that did not turn out very well called uh the night we called it a day about when frank sinatra was held hostage in australia mm. by the unions and um but he i gave him a suggestion for casting and he said oh mark that's a great idea 
that's an awesome idea. But what he was warming me up for was, but what about this? And I had the ego gratification. It wasn't until days later I understood what he was doing, which was he had the idea and he told me what a great idea was. And then he gave me an idea which, which was actually much, much, much better. And um, so his that was a really big lesson for me as a, a little junior executive. I was working for Mel Gibson's company at the time was, you know what? By radiating positive energy, all of that good stuff, um, it does come back to you. Uh, you can learn lessons. You can disagree, but try to keep it civil. Uh, and, and, you know, the karma of it all is is a thing. And I think that goes across in every single thing that we do in our life, isn't it? That we've, the more positive energy that we put into things, the better off everything is. It just keeps flowing. Where focus goes, energy flows. And so mm. if we have it full of positive energy, we're going to get lots of flowing positive energy, which takes me into my last point that I always ask all of my guests, and I think you've already provided lots of these, but is there a specific tool mm. that you have used to feel brave in your life when you're pursuing your dreams and you've come up against challenges steve um well i i suppose my tool is uh my performance uh attributes i always um use that tool use the ability to sell a joke or a character uh, or pratfall uh, to sell an idea, and which is very very difficult, and you've got to kind of get into that world of that idea they've never heard before. They don't know what you're talking about. Mm. You better be super damn clear and figure it all out. And that's how I um, kind of, you know. Even, even though you're very um, confident about what you're doing and this, you can't just blab it out ridiculously, there's an audience there and that audience is the next person you talk to about your project, especially from a producer point of view. Um, and so my, my tools are always that performance tool, which is kind of a blessing because I don't, you know, I don't have the, the thing where I'm embarrassed or I'm too scared to talk to anybody or I don't want to make a fool of myself, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to go for it and because it's probably going to be a rejection. It's probably not going to go well. It's, you know, but if you do it enough at that full speed, at that full tilt, I mean, this is what happens at, um, in, the, in the festivals. Like you go to Cannes, you have 10 days to pitch something. You have 20 meetings a day. Your first meeting, getting off the plane is awful. Your last meeting, you are a rocket ship. You mm. have everything sorted because you've just worked that thing. You, you're listening to them. You're looking at that. You're, you're seeing every time they look at their watch or whatever it is. Um, so, Yeah, so it's not just, though, your performance, is it? Because it's then gauging the other people. You're reading body language. You're really taking and getting on board everything that is around you to master your craft you adjust you really do adjust so um yeah you've got to take you've got to take in that story that they, they might like that bit of the story that you just said for two days and then people don't like it and then you're like well i'm going to change that you know because it's not a good feeling <laughs> you're telling them yeah. something and some bit and they're like mm. and you're like what was that why don't they like that 
So, yeah, you do a lot of listening. You do a lot of talking, a lot of listening. So, um, and that's all part of the, the fun of being a, a producer in an early stage uh, of a project. That was a lot of tools in that one, Steve. Mark, what's your what's your tool I, or tip for being brave and following your dreams in facing adversity? Just quickly before we get to that, I want to say two things about Steve that he didn't say, which are part of what makes him a fantastic producer. I look at Steve's uh, antenna. He has an incredible antenna for material. He really gets it. That's exactly yes for podcast listeners. <laughs> Tiff was just making an antenna. The antenna like a bug on her head. They were fingers on her head. Yeah. So he's got it's very so very brave. So, <laughs> so he he has a great I mean like there are very few people like this where they've put aside, hey, what what's going to make me look good? You know, what kind of material is going to make me look good? What's going to please the funding bodies? What's going to he just wants to make movies that find an audience and that reward an audience that that goes to see them. And that's one of the reasons I love working with him. And um, there's you. another. Oh, you're very welcome. And it's meant from the heart. And the other thing is that the other element underneath all of this and it's it's true of everything if you're not willing to do the hard work then go because mm -hmm. there are a million other guys and girls outside in the hallway who are willing to do the work so steve has worked over a, a, a long entertainment career not that long because he's still a very young man <laughs> but he's um no, but no. He, he really has to he's put in the hard yard so he knows what the business is all about for me um I'm riddled with anxiety. I'm riddled, riddled with guilt. I'm riddled with rage and fear. But what my trick is, is to be prepared. I think it's really important. And be prepared as you can. Do that, do that hard work, which is what Steve didn't mention is one of his major tools, but I happen to know that it is. Um, and the other thing is just one foot in front of the other just keep pursuing your goals you've got to be it, it even when it feels like it's like it's hopeless to do anything that's worth doing on this level so many people want to be in this industry it's really um that's another really really important skill and um and i guess uh as a film producer i'd say the only other thing is I, uh, uh, an executive who is no longer in the film industry at all. She's actually the, now the photo editor for the uh, New Yorker. Wonderful, wonderful, inspirational friend of mine, Joanna Milter, said to me once, well, Mark, as a producer, all you have is your taste and your hard work. That's all you have. So, you know, that that's what it is. Do you have the th right thing at the right moment? And are you willing to work until you're 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 dead to to um, to get it up? And I suppose for my sins, I am prepared to do that. And um, so just it and and that may sound like a bit more of a challenge than it should. But um, I'll give you one other one other tool is. Stop thinking everybody knows everything more than you do. If you've done your, if you're prepared and you're, and you're moving down the path, don't, you know, don't just assume everybody knows more than you just to keep stick to your guns. That kind of vision that, that Steve has when he finds something he really likes, he just like, boom, like, like, a, mm. like, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's uh, my, really great. Yeah. 
that reminds me because I've always thought the, the one thing I have is persistence. And persistence in the in the, this business, probably other businesses, uh, is key. You've got to be persistent. Mm, yeah. I think that goes across in so many different things. Yeah. Relationships, marriage, persistence, children, persistence. Persistence. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, definitely. Guys, it's so fun having you on the show. I think we've covered so many amazing topics and I think that this will be so insightful and helpful to the listeners on the When We Are Brave podcast. If people want to connect with you, Steve, where are you? Where can we find you? My my company is um, Communications and you can look me up and there's a phone number there and emails, communications.com. We will put that in the show notes, Mark. Uh, and I work in two places, I, uh, but I'll give you my uh, uh, Sydney Films. So it's uh, mark.lazarus at sydneyfilms.com.au. Awesome. We'll also put that in the show notes for everyone to tune into as well on the When We Are Brave podcast show notes for today's show. Thank you, gentlemen. It has been delightful having you share your stories of bravery on the When We Are Brave podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you too. I had a great time. Great. You're you're the bravest one. You're the bravest one. (laughs) I try. (laughs) Not a competition, people. How great were Mark and Steve? Aren't they fun? I loved doing this interview. I love doing all the interviews that I do. So many amazing nuggets of wonderful information for us on how we can be brave, how we can follow our dreams insights to different worlds and places, ways people do things to have success in their life so that they can live their best and bravest life. So if you'd like to find out more about Mark or Steve, make sure you head over to my website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au and in the show notes for today, you'll find all of their contact details. And so my friends, don't forget to write a review and subscribe to the When We Are Brave podcast and make sure you reach out to me so I can know what other information you'd like to know about being brave, how you can lead a courageous life so that you can lead your best life, a wonderful life, a life that you love. You can always connect with me at my website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au. So my friends, Until next time, be brave and live your best and bravest life.